Have you ever had to give yourself a pep talk just to walk into a car dealership? Or have you ever thought to yourself, I can't trust car salesmen. They don't have my best interests at heart. I'm here to debunk the myths and break the stigma. Welcome to Carman Conversations, the podcast. Welcome back to episode three of Car Man Conversations. This is part two of the winning playbook. And I'm joined once again by Rachel. Welcome, Rach. Thanks, Luke. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. So last episode, we spoke about inside the dealership culture. And I guess what we came to agree on is that it's not really about the cars. It's about the people and the people that you employ. So that's what we're going to chat about today and all around what's involved in employing a great team. Yeah, it's a great one, it's a, and it's a great topic to talk about because that, that's your bread and butter. That's what we do, um, and, and it's an ongoing thing. So, again, a little bit different. It goes back to the motto of, like, how do you create yourself? How do you be different from every other car dealership? Um, you know, and once upon a time when I was deep into to car sales, I go back to early 2000s, you know, I took over a sales manager in 2002, and if you needed to employ staff, you, you ran an ad, um, sometimes in the paper back then. Um, the what? The paper <laughs> <laughs> around uh, in the career section about, um, you know, you're chasing an, um, a, a salesperson. So you'd never employ a salesperson that had no experience. So, you know, if these people are saying, oh, no, I've never had, um, you know, car sales experience, but I've been in retail, like, no way in the world, I can't employ you. I can only employ someone that's been somewhere else, you know, and, and to think of that, I cringe now and think of it, I think, you know, that's terrible. Like, because that's not what you, you don't want, you know, it's of everything that you, you want to go against. But also back then, you had to be a certain age, which again, seems really, really silly, but you had to be a certain age. So... If you had an 18 or a 19-year-old coming on your showroom floor and selling cars, it'd be looked upon, no, I'm not going to talk to that kid. No, they're, they're too young. they got no experience. They don't know what they're talking about. You know, and I was a little bit surrounded by that at the time because I was fairly young. You know, I'd come through from when I was a 17-year-old, so I'd spent some time and gathered some experience in other departments first. Um, but I was surrounded by an older generation and an older generation of, a, 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 I suppose, a stereotypical type salesperson where what you hear about is exactly what happened. Um, and it was from that I thought, okay, well, things have got to change. And I went through a period there where I, I changed in the way we operated with salespeople. And I, I was still surrounded by experienced people, but you never got the gel or the culture that you do in today's day, you know. And um, so it would have been uh, years past that that I thought, no, what you need to do is build a really good structure. And you've got to analyze a team of, if you've got 11 or 12 salespeople, you don't want 11 or 12 of the same. You want them all to be different, you know, and there's some that will spend a lot of time with the clients. There's, there's some that will that'll be very, very direct and to the point, but very, very good in their customer focus of what they want to save time. And there's others that are very analytical when it comes. Um, so everyone's a little bit different, but this comes back to that personality drive. So one thing that I always did, and and as of today, I've, I've got, I think, 15 or 16 in that frontline sales, direct sales, and I reckon three or four of them had experience before they started with me. And the rest are all juniors. The rest, and when I say juniors, I, I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. I mean that they've done the junior traineeship from knowing nothing at all um, and being taught the culture through Aspley Master of what our expectation is and what our game plan is and following suit from that. And um, it makes a huge difference, obviously. And it's a, it's a very important aspect because these people don't know any different. 
They've, mm. they've come into this and go, okay, well, you know, you, you haven't got people saying, oh, well, I used to do it at this dealership and I used to sell cars like this. And when I worked over there, we used to get paid this commission. And could, could that just, that's bad energy, mm. you know, and there, there's a lot of that going around. And when, and you find that when people don't, you know, that things don't necessarily go that way, is the first thing we want to do is try and get a quorum of people to, to, to bring them, to bring down to their level and think, well, no, we're all in the trenches together and doing it tough. And, that's something that, that doesn't exist here, that that doesn't exist because there's none of that negative vibe or that negative energy because you, you as one. And the structure that I have is around a winning culture of, hey, we're here to grow, you know, and not all the time are things going to go right. But this is where we work together as a team and, and refine our game plan and refine what we're trying to do to get the best possible output and and the best best outcome, not only for us, but for that customer as well. And that's where you've got to be very mindful of. You, you can't be created or, or you're caught up in your own self-importance because it's not about us. Um, without the community and without the customer database, we, we have nothing, you know, so we're, we're very respectful for that. So all the training that happens very, very early on um, in, in their, their career is around those things. So we don't talk cars again. Cars aren't talked about. Mm-hmm. We say, don't worry about them yet. Don't worry about them. You'll get to them. But for this first two or three months, you're going to learn everything about me. You're going to learn everything about the dealership and you're going to learn everything about why you do things. So it's not a case of, Rachel, can you go and do this? And you say, yes, it's, I'm explaining why you're doing it, how it affects that person you're giving it to, why we're doing it. So you've got an actual understanding. Well, I'm not a gopher. I'm, I'm actually doing this, but, but I want to see how this all works. Um, so everyone's collective on that same page. Um, it, it, it's something that I've done. It might sound old school, but it's been really effective for me and I don't want to change something that doesn't need to be changed. Yeah, so basically you're hiring based on personality, not experience. Yeah, it's just it's very personality-driven. It's personality-driven around the people that have got a real want to succeed. And it's not just about a professional growth for them. It's about a personal growth as well. Mm-hmm. So the way I see it, it goes both ways. When I sit there in the interview is I'm not looking for someone to come in there and think, okay, well, let's make it all about them. You can earn this money. You can do that. Because that's not... It's not good for anyone. They might, they might sell 40 or 50 cars a month, but it might be good for them financially. But if they're not personally growing, they're still going to have a big hole where they haven't grown themselves. Yeah. And for me, I want to see that, that to run side by side. So it's parallel. I want to see professional growth and personal growth go hand in hand because they go together. And that comes back down to, to values and valuing what my, my principles are around the dealership. So, um, you know, and people might see that a little bit funny where they think, oh, okay, well, I've got no car experience. And, well, that's great because we want a big personality. Mm-hmm. We want people who want to, want to know more, want to be more invested in the dealership, want to be more invested in fellow staff members and, and what the outputs are, you know. So, and that's why I guess I'm surrounded by some really, really good people that have a really good understanding of, of each other, but of what we're trying to achieve. It's actually really refreshing. And, and if someone says to me, and someone actually asked me the other day, look, 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 what motivates you? It's the personal and professional growth of my stuff. Hmm. that's what motivates me and seeing these people that have started you know with no knowledge but where they are today and they're teaching others now you know and they're successful in what they do and they're, they're master members and they're and they're good people they're just good people and um t- to me that you can't put a dollar figure on that no and something that we always talk about internally here is that people buy from people so it really is all about the person that you are employing and not the experience that they have and everything that's can right. be taught and that's right I guess as well, when you are employing someone with no experience, you're you're giving them that opportunity and you're allowing them to grow and they're going to do nothing but help you achieve your goals because you've given them that leg up that Correct. no one else has. And the appreciation that comes with that from those people that have been given an opportunity with no automotive experience or a retail experience are very, very thankful for that and very thankful for that gift that they've been given to actually have an opportunity. 
Uh, and that that's expressive through their actions when they're with clients because they're appreciative of just the opportunity of being face-to-face, mm. being in a position where they get to talk about buying a new car and who it's for. It might be for the daughter. It might be for whatever, you know. Um, that's what sales is about, and that's what our, our culture is about, and that's that's what we, we work hard for, you know. Um, and again, I, I refer back to, to when I started um, into sales that you didn't get that opportunity. Mm. You weren't allowed that opportunity, you know. You're too young. No, you, you no, you haven't got the right look for it. You, you just you're not enough experience. You need to come back in in you know four or five years time and and um you, you know it's to wasted think opportunity. oh massive wasted opportunity. But it's taught me a lot. It's taught me and and without all that knowledge that I have back through the industry over the last twenty years or, or almost thirty years now, but that real twenty years of car sales, we wouldn't be where we are today because it's given me such a big platform to grow. And I just again I refer back to to, to appreciating. Everything that I have and remembering where I came from and remembering what I had to do when I was in the trenches um, of, of taking away all those roadblocks now, you know, and and I guess it was, it's 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 relative to what we do, but I had someone come in the other day and say that um, none of the salespeople have got computers at their desk. And I said, no, because they're salespeople. <laughs> they're salespeople. They're, they're not there to, to be on computers. They, these, they're there to, to, to meet and greet their customer service, you know. So um, when Rachel pulls up in the car park and... You know, I want them to meet and greet you at the door and give you old-fashioned customer service and welcome you into the dealership. And if it's raining, have an umbrella over your head uh, and come in and grab a coffee and we sit down and let's talk about what you're looking, what what are we trying to achieve out of today? Not about you buying a car. We're talking about who you are, what your next, what what your plan is, what your vision is, how you see yourself over the next two or three years, what's your life cycle. Talk to me about what it's been like in the past, and that's where it all starts. You know, and then we talk about the journey that it's going to be from there. So it's not about that one-off car sale. It's about that forever, you know, where we want you to be accustomed to what we do. It's familiar for you. We actually come back and you become a friend, you know. You're not just a client. It's not a transaction. It's, it's mm-hmm. And I think the staff love that because we've got all our customers that come back that are on that relationship level, you know, where they come in and they, they just – it's not it's not awkward, you know, and, and they feel comfortable. And it's because you have the same people here for so long. It's it's like family and it has that family feel to it. So it's um yeah, it's really nice and refreshing. Yes, definitely. The experience over transaction is definitely what stuck out for me in that conversation there. So some people may question why you're always hiring, even though there's no spots available. So talk me through that. There's a couple of reasons to this and and it's a it's a really good question. And it's I'd love to say it's my idea, but it's actually not. I um <laughs> I, I was reading something once, and I, I don't know how I got to it. I got it was a, I ended up on a link for something else, and and it was a guy who runs a Buick dealership in the states, um, and it's a huge operation, huge operation. I can't remember exactly how many cars they they sold, but um, he he would always be employing, he'd always be advertising for staff because the way he saw it is that you might have 150 staff there, but you want those 150 staff to be at the top of their game all the time. And you don't know what opportunity you're letting go by keeping people that may not be 100% invested. And you might have a portion or 20% of that 150 staff that might be there and they're clocking in and clocking out. Are they delivering the ultimate customer experience every day? Probably not. But because you're comfortable, you don't employ until someone resigns or someone looks for a different opportunity, probably because they haven't been managed real well because you haven't got the full potential out of them because they've been left to their own devices. So... 
there's a couple of parts with this. You need to be engaged with your staff to make sure, and this comes down to player management. And again, I'll refer to it from a football thing rather than <laughs> it's player management to me. And I'm always, the management with me, player management is the best of the best because I'm always invested in where they are. It allows them to talk about what they want. It also allows them to stay engaged and also makes them accountable, thinking, well, hang on, I'm going to get questions over this because he actually cares. By advertising all the time, for the Buick guys, um, I, I suppose his way of looking at it was, you might have those some that are, that are disengaged in what they're doing, but they're still getting some throughput in their job and, and doing what they need to do to tick the boxes. But how many people a day are getting employment otherwise, other places, or how many people could have come through and made a difference and build that culture further, bring different energy, bring some, some great vibe into that operation without being interviewed? So when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, yeah, this is big, but geez, it takes up some time. So this guy must be talking to people all the time. And then I thought about it a little bit further. If you're playing a professional sport and hypothetically you're playing rugby league and you're getting picked, now you pick a starting 17 every week out of a possible 30. So your main goal every week is to be picked in that first grade side. Now, if you're not training well, if you're not putting it in a training and you're not looking after your fitness and if you're not looking after your diet and everything else associated, and you're playing on game day, and you're only playing to 60 or 70% of your, your ability, it's going to get picked up by your peers. It's going to be picked up by the coach, but it's going to get picked up by the 50, 100, 150,000 people watching that on TV. Mm. You know, and they look at that and go, oh, why is he playing in that field? You know, like he doesn't put in. You can see he's not there. Now, from a dealership, we're no different, are we? No. You know, we're no different. My expectation is when you pull on that Aspley Master jersey every day, you wear that jersey with pride. And when you're running out there and you're playing for an eight-hour shift or a six-hour shift, you play for the full six hours and you're giving your best possible ability there and you're proud of that jersey. And when you take that jersey off, you've left it all out there. And I suppose that's the mentality that we had. So I went back to think, well, maybe I do need to be advertising all the time just for employment because I want to meet new people. I want to see, is there some people there that come in with new energy? Is there some people that come in with a different look? Is there some people here that might add value and not to replace anyone in particular, but to think, well, hang on, this person's too good not to have in my dealership. I want them here and I'm going to create a job for them that, that might lead to other opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you start looking at your business a little bit deeper going, well, I don't potentially need that person, but how would I get a return on investment to pay that wage? And that's when you start getting really savvy with your business and you start thinking, breaking it down, going, well, this is really exciting because now I've created a new job for a role that's actually going to bring me some more income, but we're going to deliver a better customer experience again. So, yeah, it was something that I, I took on board and I started doing it and it's how we employ most of our staff and that's where they are today. So it's um, it's a case of um, always adding, um, seeing opportunity, um, but also it's a good reflection too of just to see um, of where people are at, you know, and what their wants and what their desires are. And you, you can't you can't get that without actually speaking to people, you know, and, and again, that goes back down to, I suppose, a few of my goals and... You can't be complacent in what you do. And when you become complacent, you're just happy with near enough is good enough and you're getting an okay job, you'll get an okay result. You know, and I don't want an okay result. I want the best of the best all the time. And I think that's fair for my staff because they deserve the best of the best as well. Yeah. And I guess, again, if if you can supply a job for someone and they can bring you more income, that's a win-win for both parties. Well, that's what it's about, isn't it? Mm. And, it's a, and it's another avenue of the dealership that you're not necessarily looking at because you think, well, hang on, well, I don't actually have anyone there now. So it's... It's like that little forbidden bit of territory that no one really talks about because it's not there. Mm. But how much opportunity lies there and or how much better customer service could provide? It could be a non-productive role that doesn't supply an, an, an income, 
but it might add something for a real guest experience where people come in and you're giving them some value add mm. um, that again create better efficiencies within your dealership and take some stress off some other people. You know, so I think that's where it's very important that you need to be deep, very deep into dealership, into each department and know what everyone's workload is and what their throughput is and probably work out where their pressure points are as well and you need to manage those people to get the best result. Kind of reminds me of one of your favourite sayings, uh, speculate to accumulate. You got to, <laughs> you got to. And I remember that. I remember that line when it came back. It was um, it was my oldest son, Jalen, was, was playing. I think it might have been under sevens and there was one of the coaches there and we're at um, we're at Arana Hills Footy Club for an away game, and he got them all together. He's a pretty passionate sort of bloke, and and he had all the boys down. He's not the normal. He wasn't. The, he usually ran the line, but this guy was filling in one day, and big energy, big energy. And he was there, and he was talking. He's all right, boys, come in, and everyone's getting their water and talking away, and he's going right. Now, boys, you got to speculate to accumulate. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm, stuck with I'm, you. I'm thinking these are six-year-old kids. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to where they're currently at. They'll get it some point in their life, but they don't get it right now. And I'm thinking I, I hadn't, you know, ever taken that phrase in thoroughly until that day. It just stuck with me, and I remember it thinking those poor kids. You know, I, I need to break it down for them. But from a business point of view, it made a lot of sense. And I remember telling the story when I got back here, and it's something that stuck with us ever. You need to speculate to accumulate, you know, and if you're going to sit on your hands all the time, you're going to, you're organically going to accumulate. Um, but are we happy with that? No, probably not. You know, sometimes you've got to speculate, you know, to, to get more. And um, to speculate takes risk and to speculate takes you to have a proactive mind. And for a proactive mind, you're never going to be reactive. And if you're reactive in a dealership, you're always chasing your tail. And you're always going on home at night time thinking, I've got to do that, I've got to do that, I've got to do that. If you're proactive, you're thinking about things happening before they actually happen. And um, it creates a really good mindset. Definitely. So and I think that's really good to know for all of our listeners that they can reach out to you over Instagram and um, inquire about a potential position if they're interested. Absolutely. And that's where a lot of it comes from, you know, is, is people see the journey that, that I'm on and I'm very transparent about and passionate about Aspley Master and where it's going and what we do. Uh, and I encourage these people to reach out to me and, and talk. And, um, you know, I'd, it's probably fair to say that 25% of our staff have reached out that way. Mm-hmm. And they're already engaged. They're already engaged into the journey, you know, at somewhat without actually coming on board. Yeah. So when they come on board, it's a really easy transition for them because they know what it's about and they know the expectation and they can already see um, without feeling at the culture. Yeah, great. So for those people, just quickly, briefly to recap, what is it like to work at Ashley Master? It, it's an experience. It, it's an experience and it's a, it's a game changer. It's a real game changer because um, it's easy for me to say, but... When you've got a team that are invested in making or wanting you to be better and wanting you to grow personally and grow professionally and you're surrounded by people that only want to support you, it's an amazing feeling. And when you've got that constant support, no matter what, no matter what, you know, when things are going tough or when things are great, the level of support is all there without the ego, without the name title, without the titles or anything else of just genuine support. You can't put a value on that stuff. And um, to me, that, I think that's the biggest attribute. So to, to work here, what what you, you get all those things and you get that on a daily basis. But on, on top of that, you're around motivated, positive, big energy. Um, and that stuff's infectious. And, and that's something that, 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 that creates a vibe that you, you can't ignore. You know, you're, you're, you're in it. 
Um, and with that comes excitement and with that comes opportunity. And I think that everyone, every day, they get excited about an opportunity, you know, and they think, you know, some people that live a pretty basic life, I've regimented, but they might have something coming up in a couple of weeks' time. That's the opportunity. They're looking forward to that, you know. And I think what we create here is you look forward to it every day. Because every day is different, but every day is full of all those good things, all the good attributes. So I guess what I'm hearing from you, Luke, is when we talk about the culture, when we talk about the team here, it's all about working smarter, not harder. You're providing a really great culture for your team so they want to work here. And because they want to work here, they're performing better and delivering great results. And I guess that's sort of the winning formula in you a got way. It. And they you have great support from the top and you're in the business and, you know, helping them along the journey. Repeat exactly what you just said. You're bang on. Um, and that's it. You know, you've got to create the perfect platform for people that they 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 want to come to work and they want to get the support. But again, break it out from work. You want to create the best feel and the, and the, the right vibe. You know what I mean? And, and I often, you know, you, you say it, and I'm big on an allergy today. But yeah, we've got another you, one coming you, up. You know, it's, it's a normal thing. You, you want to go and have a couple of beers with your mates, and there's a place there, and the music's pumping, and it's full of people, and it's got that good energy. You're attracted to it. You know, the, there's a pub across the road that there's no one in, and you'd probably get a better seat. But you don't want to be at that one, do you? You know, you want to be at the one with the with, with the big energy and, and, and that good feeling about it, and it, and it, it attracts you to want to be there. This is what this is. I not only want to create the best workspace for people to feel good about where they come, I want the premises to look amazing and make it feel as if they, they take pride in what they have to wear a jersey that, you know, they're, they're honoured to wear and it's a privilege to actually pull on every day, but to give them the best possible training, the best support uh, inside and outside of work, um, it creates for a perfect formula. Because I don't want my staff to wake up and think, oh, my God, I don't want to go to work today. This is going to be an absolute drain. I want them to wake up going... Woo! <laughs> Maybe not to <laughs> that level, that? but <laughs> I want them to wake up going, yes, I'm ready to go. I'm looking forward to it because I really like the people I work with and I love what it's all about and I love the result that comes with it. Well, it's definitely working for you with all the records that you've been breaking in the last few years. So well done. Thank you. As you can see, I really enjoyed that episode of part two. I'm pretty passionate about it and you can see why. And if you want to learn more about joining the team or find out a little bit more, uh, follow the links in the description below.